Welcome to the Conservative Energy Podcast, brought to you by the Conservative Energy Network. Join us as we review groundbreaking clean energy innovations, discuss policies positioned to transform our energy landscape, and promote a positive vision for our clean energy future. I'm your host, Connor Marley, Policy Manager for the Conservative Energy Network. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Conservative Energy Podcast. My name is Connor Marley. I'm the Policy Manager for the Conservative Energy Network. Uh, I have graciously been passed the baton from Kayla Ventura, who has uh, handed the podcast over to me to conduct further interviews with members of our own team, as well as other members of uh, the energy policy apparatus, so to speak, to kind of get us a little bit more in the know on all things policy. So happy to have you here. Joining me today is Mark Fleming. Mark Fleming is CEO of Conservatives for Clean Energy, as well as chairman of Conservative Energy Network's board. So Mark, thanks so much for being here. Appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me, Connor. Looking forward to it. So Mark, I was hoping, um, you know, since you've been with us for, for so long, you could uh, start the conversation today by telling us a little bit about your journey and, and what brought you to both CCE and CEN as a whole. Yeah, thank you. Um, and, and again, look, look forward to our conversation today. I started, my background is in conservative politics, uh, worked for the GOP in North Carolina uh, for many years, uh, worked for a U.S. Senator in North Carolina, and ran a local chamber of commerce. So really interacted with the small business community, and then uh, joined the staff of Congressman Patrick McHenry in Western North Carolina uh, as the congressman's district director for counties, you know, basically think of north of Charlotte, North Carolina. So that area really between maybe Charlotte and Asheville or, you know, that in the Hickory-Gastonia part of, of North Carolina in that region of the state. But I was district director uh, and really hadn't given a lot of thought uh, to energy issues or, or clean energy issues and had a chance to represent uh, my boss at a, an event um, at a university near our district. And I got to hear about all that was coming. This was in 2010, 2011. The Republicans had just taken the General Assembly in 2010. So this was maybe late 2010, early 2011. And the university was giving a presentation on climate. And it was sort of 45 minutes of how dare anyone not believe climate change and how how everyone was wrong about not believing in climate change. Then the last few minutes, they talked about this emerging clean energy economy in North Carolina and the jobs and the economic development and the impact on rural counties and, and what it was going to mean for property tax rates in the state and for the tax base in these rural counties. And I thought then, you know, that's a group that really has it backwards. They need to be talking about the economic impacts and what clean energy is going to do for the economy in the state. And then, oh, by the way, of course, we all know it's, it's good for the environment. But with conservatives, let's lead with and talk about the economic impacts um, and all the jobs that clean energy brings and, and those kind of things. That, that's, those are winning messages. So that was in late, late 2010, early 2011. Fast forward sort of four years later, um, I had a chance to be a part of a group that started Conservatives for Clean Energy in North Carolina. Uh, we were at that time uh, state-based doing just North Carolina policy, uh, working on issues in the North Carolina General Assembly and really building support on the right in our state for clean energy and, and using, you know, talking about it from those economic development messages, which 
proved to be, you know, the clean energy uh, policies really took off in North Carolina and uh, the economic impact was more than, than anyone anticipated. North Carolina became one of the larger states for solar in the country. So um, had a chance then in 2016, uh, we had a chance to take our program to Virginia and build a similar organization there. And in 2018, uh, moved to Georgia and Florida and South Carolina. So we're now in five states uh, in the Southeast. And um, prior to COVID, we were looking at you know other states where we would want to, to go in and set up um, organizations. And uh, now we're back on the um, expansion trail again, and we'll talk about that later. But um, you know, currently five states in the Southeast and that, so that's been the journey, you know, looking and, and leading this in a way that we engage conservatives um, to not just be involved, but to be leaders, because these messages of clean energy and private property rights and uh, American energy jobs, these are all conservative messages and conservatives should not just be at the table, but leading on these issues. So, Mark, when you say you, you considered other states, what goes into the consideration process? Is it, you know, Republican legislators or policymakers or regulators or any of it that are not talking about clean energy in, in a conservative mindset or with the free market at the forefront of the thought process? Or is it another reason, say, uh, there's just not a lot of clean energy present in the state? Could you take us through what kind of um, uh supporting reasons go into making that decision of another state expansion or something to that effect? Yeah, we, we look at states where there's, where is their potential? Where is their clean energy potential? And where can we be helpful in helping to educate center-right policymakers, conservative policymakers uh, and regulators in some cases? You know, where can we be helpful in making those arguments from the conservative side in that state? So, Where's their need and how can we as an organization be helpful for that? And also knowing that every state is different in this energy policy landscape. That's the one thing I've learned through the years is, you know, just because something works in one state does not mean it applies to the other state because energy is just so different in every state. Now, the principles are all the same. You know, where we are as conservatives on free markets and those kind of things, you know, choice and competition in the industry that is going to be the same, but the actual how it works and how it fits with the policy dynamics is really just state by state. Um, and the other thing we look at is when we go into a state, we contract with a team to help us and guide us in our work in that state. And we look for good, strong, authentic, conservative consultants and others to help us with that. So we have to make sure when we go in a state, we have the right team. And we've done that in all of the states we've been in, just fantastic teams that are really hardwired into the conservative calls in, in each of those states. Yeah. And Mark, you know, speaking to, to what you just said, the golden rule of you know state policy work is understanding that there is a nuance to every single state. I mean, they all have different bills, especially when it comes to energy and their needs and what they produce. Natalia, I imagine when you uh, find folks to partner with or bring on in the state specifically, you are looking for people that very much understand the state and, and are big players within that state in their understanding of how it works, what the needs are, and who the main actors are that kind of help promote those kinds of policies. Is that is my understanding correct on that? Yeah, that, that's right. And each state, you know, there are going to be different opportunities on the in the clean energy sector at large 
specific to each state. So for instance, you'll hear us in North Carolina talking a lot about offshore wind because, and in Virginia, a lot about offshore wind because of the tremendous opportunities there in offshore wind off the coast of those states. So you'll hear us, you know, we're talking about things that matter to those states. In another state, in Georgia, for instance, offshore wind might not be as big of an issue in the state of Georgia. It might be a, a smaller issue, but in North Carolina, Virginia, to an extent, South Carolina, those are big issues and it's becoming a bigger issue in, in South Carolina. But so that would be an, an area where, you know, we would go in and do more work on offshore wind in one state, whereas in another state in our footprint, we might not do as much with offshore wind. We might do more with community solar in Georgia, for instance, than we might do in, in South Carolina or whatever the, the case may be. We go in and work on the policies that make sense for that state and where the, the action on the, the clean energy side is. Sure. Looking at the Southeast region, which uh, CCE covers, is there a particular policy win in the last, you guys have been around since 2014, you said, is that right? 2015? Yes, that's right. That's right. Okay. Is that, is there a specific policy win that you're very, very proud of uh, over that time in that region? You know, there've been so many good ones and I, we can go, I could go state by state and all five of our states just has, have had tremendous wins and tremendous opportunities to really move the ball forward. But if I had to say one that sort of really stands out, it would be um, Governor DeSantis vetoing the, the utility backed bill that would have basically shut down the state uh, solar, rooftop solar industry. It would have really decimated rooftop solar in the state of Florida, in the Sunshine State. And our team in Florida worked really hard educating the governor and those, you know, around him and policymakers and key influencers on that issue. And just so excited to be leaders in that effort. Governor DeSantis' bill had passed the legislature and a lot of people assumed it would be signed into law. And it was just going to be really bad for rooftop solar uh, and bad for property rights in that state, not just the, an industry, but bad for people that wanted to have rooftop solar as a part of their home. And so we uh, were able to work, uh, really take a leadership role on that. And the governor um, vetoed the bill, which was a surprise to people, really a shock to people, um, you know, that follow these issues really around the country. So we were excited to, to play a major, major part in that. That was a huge win. No, that's awesome. And that's something I talked about a lot when Kayla was still here and interviewed me, as well as that I hear from a lot of folks that are engaging in clean energy conversations from the right side or from the moderate right. And that's individual rights should be promoted and venerated so that people can have the ability to choose what works best for them, right? Just giving everybody opportunity to make these personal decisions for themselves and their pocketbooks really is paramount. So I applaud the, the work that you guys did in Florida, and, and I'm glad to, to know that it was the success that it was. I'd like to move on a little bit to the future now. As you guys are entering 2024, what is some of the major goals for CCE moving forward? Yeah, I, I think part of that is expansion that we talked about earlier in the conversation. Uh, we're looking at what states in the Southeast are taking a look, really hard look at Louisiana, Mm -hmm. um, that's a state that offers great potential. We have a new uh, governor in the state, a new conservative governor, uh, and, and there are really strong opportunities there to work on clean energy issues. And then we'll take a look at other states in the Southeast as well. That makes sense because we'd love to bring our message and create a home 
uh, for conservatives who want to engage in these issues. Right now, what you have is far left in a lot of these states, far left environmental groups who push these issues from you know, that side. And then you have also engaged in the conversation, you have utilities strongly engaged, but there is often no voice for conservatives to come to this table and to engage in ways that are constructive and to bring our take on these energy issues into the conversation. And CCE provides that natural home for conservatives who want to engage in these issues. We've seen really strong support for our work Small business people really love this opportunity to get involved in clean energy issues, whether, you know, in North Carolina, we have a local car dealer that is solar on the roof, right? And and all about clean energy. Well, someone like that, you know, their natural base is not going to be with a left of center environmental group to engage on these issues, but they will engage with fellow conservatives where we can come and right. um, and talk about these things and promote clean energy from a conservative perspective. So, you know, I think that continuing to grow and expand and then looking at our existing states, really good opportunity state by state uh, in 2024, uh, whether it's rooftop solar in Georgia, uh, for instance, we have great commission, a great PSC there that's elected, all Republican PSC elected by the people. So it's not an appointed PSC. In, in most cases, PSCs are or a lot of cases they're appointed in Georgia. They're all elected. Uh, and they have been tremendous leaders on clean energy. And our team in Georgia works closely with them. They have been just fantastic. So how do we continue, though, to make those advances? Um, South Carolina, with the Energy Freedom Act, they passed several years ago. Now South Carolina is looking at the next step in market reform and other issues. Where do we go next? So I think some of that for us is not just resting on our past uh, victories, but looking ahead state by state, to where we can, particularly on market reform issues, where we can help drive that conversation and at least take a look at, at what would it look like rather than having a monopoly utility model, what would it look like in these states to have a little bit of choice and competition in the market? What would that look and how much would that save the ratepayers? I think those will be some of the conversations we'll be helping to drive in the Southeast and in, in 2024 and beyond. Yeah, it's so funny. I really do think that so much of the energy policy conversation requires this level of like wonkiness yep, where like, right. unfortunately, we are going to have to get into the details on this, right? We're going to have to dig deep and have like the kind of boring conversation of like, you're back in school. But once you have that information, you can take it and really yep. start identifying the areas in which you can create a lot of good. I'm curious in going off of that, how often do you see in your in your work and, and your state's work, a lot of necessity for education of policymakers, even on like the foundational understanding of how the grid works, what the truth is and the reality behind siting and permitting, as well as building and maintaining clean energy systems and their benefits, right? What's uh, nuts and bolts? How, how deep do you have to go in some, sometimes to, to educate these policymakers? Yeah, that's exactly right. I think one of the things we found through the years is most people run for the legislature, they get elected, energy is not their top, you know, they know they want the lights to come on for their constituents when the, they flip the switch, right? That's their, and that's, I don't mean that in a negative way, they're just usually not energy policy specialist. They come in with maybe they're interested in tax policy or education policy. There are other things, which is great, the things that they are focused on, but 
it's, it's sometimes not energy. So what we found at CCE is we offer, one of the things we offer, and our main mission at the end of the day, our main mission is to educate conservative policymakers on these clean energy issues. And so a lot of times for us, that's just level setting for here's the basic, here's the lay of the land of energy policy in our state. And, and we work a lot on those kind of issues with legislators, especially new legislators, just to help help educate them on the the policy issues at a very entry level, energy 101, if you will. Um, that's something that that we see at CCE as really core to our mission is that kind of work. And we do that in each of our states. Um, and then often we see these policymakers go on to take the next step in leadership where they drill down and say, okay, we really like this part of clean energy, whether it, maybe it's energy efficiency, you know, so they'll take the leadership in their general assembly on an energy efficiency issue, or they'll take the leadership on a utility scale solar issue in their state. And so that has been um, something that I think has been most rewarding is to watch conservative policymakers come in, get the sort of basic lay of the land, and then and then on their own volition, take it to the next level and, and really lead on some of these issues. We are really happy at CCE to have been a part of that, the work of legislators throughout the, the Southeast. From what you're saying, it does sound 100% necessary. And from conversations I've had with others, there is a lack of knowledge that it's good to have somebody filling the gap for. That's right. I'd love to ask the other side of that coin, which is community engagement. I often hear from your average everyday citizen the concerns and fears regarding clean energy siting in their area or uh, usage to some degree. I guess, what has your experience been trying to engage the community uh, around better education for energy policy? Yeah, I, I think a lot of that is just helping to dispel the misinformation and to be a source for really getting out the truth. Because often in these siting battles, and we see it a lot with solar, it is not traditional left versus right. It is not that's not the opposition and support. It is a NIMBYism mm. that really is undergirded by I don't want this close to my to my land, to my home. But it's often others, clean energy opponents, will sort of inflame that, you know, where you've got someone that they just want setbacks and they want the project to look nice. And we all do. We all agree with that. And, you know, all the solar, the good solar developers, they want to see that, too. They want the project to look nice and all of that. And we're so we're for that. We're obviously for responsible siting and that kind of thing. But you have opponents of clean energy who will just drive that filled with misinformation a lot of times. So, you know, a lot of our work on local level projects is just to help connect the community with actually what's going on rather than sort of what they saw on a Facebook post often coming from outside of their community. So how do we, how do we help dispel the myth, you know, on these right. local projects and say, Hey, this is what it actually brings to the County. This is the tax revenue. And absolutely, it should be done right and it should fit and all that kind of stuff with the land use plan. But if someone has 40 acres of land and they want to have a solar project, our view has always been from a conservative perspective, that should be their right to do that on their land within reason, obviously. So, yeah, no, that makes a, a ton of sense. And 
I think one of the more frustrating aspects of community engagement is when this misinformation comes in through external sources and outside of the locality, because it really does create a lot of problems, but also uh, a lot of hysteria a little bit and makes it a lot slower, I would say, to get something that's going to be very beneficial potentially for the community up and running and ready to rock because now they're now they're, they're worried about it. We have to have more conversations, kind of undo the damage that's been done. It, it can be very, very problematic. And I'm, it's interesting that you bring it up uh, is, is what I'll say on that because it's, it's something I've heard myself. And a big shout out to CEN's Land and Liberty Program. They do great work throughout the country, helping to, at a local level, really bring um, that good information out and, and create support for clean energy at the local level. And they do a land and Liberty has just done a tremendous job. And that's something to being a part of CEN to, to see that has been great the last yes. few years. They've been absolutely fantastic. And I'm really excited to bring on some more of our folks from the land and Liberty side of things to talk a little bit more about their community engagement, because I imagine they have some great war stories. Yes. Um, yes. And, and I think it'd be helpful for listeners to know about, you know, this, this is the stuff that is happening. It's it's not some town somewhere else where it, it has happened and it could happen to you. That's right. So I want to switch back to for a second because you, you brought up CEN and as our chair of the board, I'd like to ask you, CCE and CEN came up around the same time. You uh, worked with the founder of CEN, Mark Bichet, and now our new CEO, John Zoka. What has the what has your experience been watching the growth of both your and the organization of CEN? Yeah, it's been CEN has been a uh, a great organization to be affiliated with, and and um, we owe so much to Mark Pache and his vision for this organization and and what he did uh, to really build uh, CEN. It was his it was his vision, and he took it and ran with it. And um, what a great guy, and it was someone that um, that we all miss because he was a friend to, to all of us. But kudos to the CEN uh, national team. They've all done a great job, Brittany and Tyler and the JR and the whole team in transition, working with us in transition over the last year. And then John came on board, I think in May of 2023, and has done an outstanding job working to take us to the next level. He's someone who is just the the ultimate example of the work that we that all of our state teams have done in the states. He he was a policymaker uh, for ten years in North Carolina and went from clean energy skeptic to clean energy champion in the North Carolina legislature and just um, just a fantastic person number one, but a fantastic policy. He's a policy guy and he knows all. He gets into the specifics of all of it. He knows it. Oh, yeah. He led that in North Carolina, and we're fortunate to have him at the helm of our organization as we now expand into other states throughout the country. Sure. Now, that's the success story we want to be replicating to you know policymakers all over the country, right? We want to see them go from the skeptics to the full-on backers because there's a lot of good that can be done. and There's a lot of reason for conservatives to be at the table uh, and a part of those conversations. And we have to work with people where they are. So at CCE and at CEN, we're not looking for folks that agree with us on every single thing. We don't have like a litmus test. You know, we, we will take conservative policymakers where they are and work with them. So if they have an interest in an area of clean energy, we'll work with them. You, you don't have to, you know, we, we don't have the 10 things you have to sign to be a part of, of what we're doing. If you have an interest in clean energy issues, come along and, and we need your help. Right. Yeah. 
Wow. Form, forming consensus and being open to other ideas, but finding where we can work together on things. What a what a revolutionary idea, right? What a, Maybe too controversial, Mark, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, Mark, I'll, I'll end with this uh, as we're coming up on time, but I'd love to know, just tell me something good in energy policy, something that you're excited about, something you've heard that you're you know making you impassioned and might impassion others. Yeah, I would I would go back to to my earlier comments on market reform. You know, one of the things as we fought for more clean energy and we've been successful on that in the southeast, we've seen more solar added to the grid and now these offshore wind projects are coming on and we're seeing, you know, growth in rooftop solar. We've seen really good things in the country and and now there's a emphasis on other things like hydrogen and nuclear in the American-made energy, that whole, and, and credit to President Trump, former President Trump, for helping to drive that conversation about American-made, you know, so we, we've we really tapped into that, and we talk a lot about American-made, homegrown American energy jobs, uh, because I think that's central to our message. So I'm excited about that, but I'm excited about this market reform conversation, because I think I think that's really where we have to, that's the, the drive to at least take a look. And, and we're not saying, we're not advocating, you know, that there has to be one RTO in all of the Southeast. We're not there yet, but would it be helpful to have some kind of competition and would it be helpful to create a market in the Southeast like other places in the country have and, and have been successful with that? But at least let's have the conversation. You know, what's the harm in studying that? And so hats off to South Carolina. Uh, the South Carolina legislature uh, just had a study committee and they're Um, looking at legislation in 24 to get to really take a look at what does that look like in the state of South Carolina. And I know in North Carolina and other states, we would love to see the similar kind of study that at least gets the conversation going. Look, we've had the same utility business monopoly model for over 100 years in this country. Plus, um, we don't do the same things we used to do in, in other industries, but we're doing it basically the same way, at least in terms of business model uh, for utilities. So is it time to take a look at that and at least have the conversation? And so I think we're excited to see South Carolina, Tom Davis, State Senator Tom Davis leading that tremendous conservative and tremendous clean energy leader down in, in South Carolina. And we hope other states in the Southeast will follow that. And let's take a look at uh, the model. That's, that's a big question, I know, but I think it's uh, it's time to take a look at it. Right. A step towards security, a step towards resiliency, and a step towards helping the right pair. That's, I think, who can ask for a better trifecta? Absolutely. So, Mark, thank you so much for coming on today and talking with us. This has been just a delight, and we hope to have you on again. With that, I'll bid you farewell, and to everyone listening, thanks all for listening, and have a great rest of your week. Thanks, Connor. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Conservative Energy Podcast brought to you by the Conservative Energy Network. For more helpful information and resources, please visit our website via the link in our podcast description. Together, we can energize policymakers to power positive change.